Welcome. Radio Star Off the Page presents Intermission by Trevor Allen. Directed by Paul Silverman. The Prologue. Walter Plinge, a fictitious name used on English playbills to conceal a doubling of parts, particularly in Shakespearean roles. The American equivalent being George Spelvin. A stage name used to cover doubling. It is estimated that George Spelvin or his relatives have figured in more than 10,000 Broadway performances since his debut. The name has also been applied theatrically to dead bodies, dolls, and animal actors. Walter Plinge still makes an occasional appearance in London and provincial cast lists. But his name was never used as Spelvin's was. For dogs. Or babies. (laughs) At Rise... Lights up quickly to taped applause. The set is revealed briefly in tableau, the drawing room of a Victorian manor house, or a grotesque approximation of one, complete with antiques, potted palm tree, and an ugly but functional sideboard. Up center there are two dead bodies lying in pools of blood. Down right and down left, the lights dim to black as the scrim curtain is lowered for the end of Act One. The music for the intermission begins playing rather moodily in the background, amid the tape sounds of audience white noise. The work lights come up as the announcement is heard over the PA system. There will be a 15-minute intermission before the beginning of Act 2. Refreshments are available in the lobby. 15 minutes, everyone. 15 till go. Check your props. Smoke them while you can. And would somebody please wake up Spelman? One of the seemingly dead bodies stirs and stands. Walter brushes himself off. He is in his thirties, balding, and very self-consciously English. Noticing that the other corpse, George, is snoring rather loudly, he goes to the sideboard up-center, picks up a full glass of water, and crosses to stand just above George. He takes a small sip and proceeds to pour the rest over George's head. George is in his late twenties, an American, and by now quite awake. What? What? Hello, George. Uh, Curtain call? Intermission. Why am I moist? Have a nice nap. Unless my hair was on fire, you're a dead man, Plinge. You were snoring again, George. I'm sorry, Walter. Was I keeping you awake? The A.D. wanted you up. What for? The neighbors were complaining. I've got to go. Where? The John. There's something I really must speak with you about. Can it wait? No, I'm afraid it can't. Well, neither can I. It's about your acting. For God's sake, it's closing night. Is that why you're drunk? Lightly lubricated. Celebrating? It helps me stay in character. You reek. I'm dead. I'm supposed to. You look it. Rough day? I've got to take a leak. Too late. You know the rules. No mingling with the patrons. The gents must be full of them by now. Blue-haired bastards. You could always use them. I'd rather burst than use that dungeon they call a dressing room. You should have gone before. I did. Twice. Then you shouldn't have brought your large flask. Any left? The ogre confiscated it during fight call. Pity. I could have done with a stiff drink. I just happened to have a spare. Uh, careful. You're pissed. Don't say that word. Just think of something else. My lines, perhaps? The cast party, huh? Cheers. After the strike, one or two in the morning, easy. It won't take that long, will it? I mean, there's not that much to clear up, is there? 
some furniture, a few flats. All the rest is bound for Mrs. Bunk's antique shop, including that thing. A survivor from her Mr. Roberts the Musical fiasco. That plant has probably been in more shows than you and I put together. Well, I've got to give her credit. At least she recycles. It's not real, is it? No. It's an old studio prop she picked up around the time they began making talkies. You know, legend has it that Valentino once... What the hell are you doing? Obeying the call of nature. On stage? On her palm? I don't think I could reach the roses. You are truly crass, aren't you? <sighs> now that you're finished, I have something to tell you. What? Your fly's unzipped. Hmm? Is that all? You're pulling focus again. How? Dead men don't snore. I see. I don't mind it so much. But it is a bit distracting, you understand. To who? Well, the audience for a start. Both of them. The one on the right was asleep before I was. The house isn't that bad, is it? The house? No, the house is fine. Just not many people in it. How would you know? I've got eyes. You mean you peek. Don't you? I never break the fourth wall. I don't either. I just sort of look, you know? And count. Yeah. A bit like counting sheep, though. Sends me right off to sleep. Yes, and your snoring throws off the inspector's timing. What timing? Be that as it may... What happened with the gun? I always put it in a different pocket each night. Gives the old geezer a real sense of discovery when he finds it on me. Oh, brilliant. And tonight? Down the front of my pants. Are you trying to give him a heart attack? Nah, I knew he wouldn't find it. The mate sure did, though. She patted me down and pulled out my thirty-eight special. It's only a twenty-two. Whatever. So, why'd she scream? No underwear. You are a very sick man. What? I was in a hurry to get dressed. And why were you so late? Uh-uh, not telling. Gimme. I'm hurt. After all this time together, granted most of it was spent in a semi-catatonic state, I thought we trusted one another. About as far as I can urinate. Well? I was at a callback. <laughs> was that all? And I was cast. Well, hip, hip. You're just jealous. Another horizontal roll. No, this time I'm a living, breathing Dog. human. That gets shot. Nope, no guns. Stabbed. No. Impaled. No. Garroted. No, what? Strangled. Oh, no. You do die, though, don't, don't you? we all? On stage or off? Oh, on. Definitely on. Death scene? Oh, yeah. Lines? Well, actually... It's a dumb show, isn't it? It's a very intelligent show. New or old? It's a classic. Not Shakespeare. Not just Shakespeare. Hamlet. Let me be the first to congratulate you. Third torchbearer from the left. How lovely for you. I'm playing the king, actually. The king? Well, a king. Which one? The player king. <laughs> for a minute there, I thought you might be out of your depth. Meaning? Well, I'm sure you can handle this. It's just a short roll, really over the top in a hideous death. It was written for you. There are no short roles, only short actors. You should be marvelous, then. It's a very important part. He furthers the plot, guides the main characters in the right direction. So does that mutt in two gents. Oh, but that's right. You've played him before, haven't you? It paid very well. So do hair club commercials. There's hope for you yet. Have you accepted the role? Yep, we open in two weeks. So soon. Last minute call. You called them begging for any role. The director saw me here last night. 
thought you died divinely, did he? She said I had a wonderful presence, offered me the role herself. Did she? I asked if she needed an understudy Very for the lead. You didn't? Yeah, but she said they'd already got two, but otherwise I would have been welcome, you know. Oh, yes. I expect the instant she saw you, she must have said, Now there's a bloke that looks like he can handle some 1,500 lines and the odd fencing scene. Not to mention all the purple prose, those soliloquies, and the tights. Dream on, Georgie. Are you saying you don't think I could do it? What? You? Play Hamlet? The hamster, yeah. You make him sound like a child's disposable pet. I could do it, you know, if I had enough time. Geologic time. Watch it, Wally. You. Play the focal character in one of the seminal works in all of English literature. The play to end all plays. The role to end all careers. You, as the er uh, Hamlet. To be totally fair, not the month of fortnights. He's just another angry young man. He's a prince out of your stars. Challenge. Name it. Insults. Child's play. Pompous twit. Imbecilic cretin. Emaciated albino. Limacious dwarf. Technician. Methodist. Flatulence fetishist. I beg your pardon. It's all fart gags with you. I'll admit that I am not above the occasional bit of low humor. It stimulates the groundlings, keeps them awake. Bardolatry. Putridly amateurish upstart. Superstitious closeted deviant. I am not superstitious. Whistle. Not in the theater. Not superstitious? Then say the name with me, Mac. You wouldn't dare. The Scottish play? Come on, say it. It won't kill you. How do you know? Because I've been saying bits of the play under my breath every night since opening. <gasps> my dying words are even a quote. You don't have any dying words. You come on an act one with your back to the audience and promptly get shot before the opening music ends. The set gets a bigger ovation than you do. Very softly, all through the opening, as I'm lying there, bleeding corn syrup and food coloring, I run through some of the more taboo moments. A litany of stupidity. By the time the butler enters and finds me, I'm usually drooling out the side of my mouth and doing that Hecate bit with a cauldron. I think he soiled himself more than once. Don't be vulgar. What, gas is funny and continence is obscene? Quoting Mac... That play is bad enough. But the thought of you butchering the bard's prose like that... Butchering? Iambic pentameter. I doubt you can spell it, let alone speak it. Challenge. Oh, please. Dueling soliloquies. No contest. To be or not to be. You know it? Know it? I live it. You first. (sighs) To be... Or not to be! What's that? A bug. Don't interrupt me. That is... What kind of bug? It doesn't matter. Then why are you picking it up? It's an imaginary metaphorical manifestation of my inner state of being. It is a physical representation of my conundrum, okay? You've been taking classes, haven't you? Yes! Now will you let me finish? Where was I? To be or... So what you're saying by introducing this arbitrary insect into the piece is that deep down, underneath it all, Hamlet's feeling very... ambiguous? Is that it? It's an ant, okay? Why an ant specifically? 
because the prince feels that his little life is pointless and is on the verge of offing himself. I'm trying to make the point that it is as easy to take your own life as it is to squish an ant. But you won't let me do it, and now I've totally lost the moment. Step back and watch the master. To be or not to be. <laughs> what? What? You said... You said something. No, just watching. You were reacting. No. Maybe unintentionally. I was thinking of something else. While I was acting. You hadn't really started yet. I most certainly had. Well, don't let me interrupt. I won't. That is the... <laughs> what? What is it? It's just the... It's just what? Well, it's a bit much, isn't it? To what are you referring the inside of the thigh approach? The what? I mean, you look so artificial. It's like watching a set piece. Not when seen within the overall arc of a production. Which production would this be, then? The Piccadilly Players present? Any hypothetical production that is in keeping with the author's original intent. Any without Americans would certainly qualify. Men in tights and boys in drag? Blasphemer! You wouldn't last one day in a real Elizabethan play. Ha! Just watch me. I'll send you some comps. You can't even fence, bug boy. I played pirates when I was a kid. Stage combat is a fine art. It takes years of tutelage. I'm sure I could pick it up. I was a grand champion at university. You don't just pick it up. Challenge. You can't be serious. You can't be that prissy. Shall we, Sherlock? Put those foils back. They're probably priceless. Worthless is more like it. Look, they're not even sharp, see? But they're not tipped. Ow! Afraid of a little realism, champ? The audience white noise is beginning to get louder as the music starts to swell. Places, please, for act two! But they'll be starting soon. Come on, you cowardly limey! Eat my steel! If that's the way you're going to be, lay on, MacDonald! Ow! <laughs> Cry, Havoc, and unleash the puppies of chaos! <laughs> they fight, George swinging away wildly, and Walter trying to defend himself. They lock foils, they separate, and then lunge simultaneously. They accidentally connect. The effect is that they have actually stabbed each other. There was a slight pause as they inspect their wounds. Then they simultaneously fall, dying onto their original places, each trying to outdo the other for the honor of best death scene. I'm dying! Farewell, my friend! Forgive! Dying is easy, but comedy is... The lights flash as the intermission music grows to a crescendo and then fades out. Silence. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats for Act Two. Places for Act Two! Places, everyone! Comedy is hard, isn't it, George? I say, how did you know that these were collapsible? George? George, are you all right? George, speak to me. It's all in the timing, Wally. It's all in the timing. You didn't fool me for a second. I'm getting better, though, aren't I? A little. 
say, there wouldn't happen to be any roles still vacant in your little production, would there? Oh, now that you mention it, Wally, there is, if you're up for it. Of course I am. In the graveyard scene? Yes. Yeah, nobody wants to play Yorick. Last call, curtain going up. Go back to sleep, you lunatic. Night. Wake me when it's time to bow, will you? Count on it. The work lights go to black as the curtain comes up, and the set is revealed in tableau again, with two red spots on the two dead bodies, down right and down left. Eerie music is heard in the background as Act Two begins. Blackout. Curtain. You've been listening to Diana Brown, Christopher DeYoung, Walter Plinge Spelvin, and Dan Wilson. Performing Intermission by Trevor Allen. Directed by Paul Silverman. Radio Star Off the Page is a Cassandra's Call production.